Get on with it, Macca. G'day, this is Macca, and we're on the road. And this weekend, this coming weekend, 16th of July, we'll be in Burley Heads at Justin's Park. Love to see you there. Come along and say good day. On the 30th of July, we'll be at Mount Gravatt in Brisbane at the show. Again, come along and say good day. Love to see you. Wherever you're from, you're probably on the road. Later on, we'll be going to North Queensland, Darwin, across to Western Australia, to Perth, to Adelaide, to Melbourne, and places in between. So love to see you. And they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will do. Good morning and welcome. A lot of weather around, a lot of rain, a lot of wind and uh, bad weather, big seas. So just take care wherever you are. Good morning. Our number 1300 700 222. Uh, Macatrax at gmail.com. Lots of emails. Kerry Meach says, Ian, love the show. We heard your program this morning. We'll be visiting Burley uh, and Mount Gravatt. Can you let us know the actual location, says Kerry and Graham. And and Irene Pitts also has asked where we're going to do uh, Brisbane. Well, I'll tell you, uh, next weekend, next Sunday morning, we'll be in Burley Heads. Uh, on the Gold Coast, as they call it, the Goldie, at Justin's Park. So come along if you live on the Gold Coast, wherever you live on. If you're travelling, you might be travelling through because lots of Australians are travelling from south to north. As it, uh, It's cold, been bitterly cold in Melbourne. Melbourne weather has been very... Well, it's been cold everywhere, but, you know, I suppose it's, um, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks you get, uh, you get cold. So Justin's Park, Burley Heads, next Sunday morning. Be there, come along and say good day, talk to Australia. And uh, on the 30th of July, that's the last uh, weekend in in July at uh, Mount Gravatt. The Mount Gravatt show's on and we've been invited to go to the Mount Gravatt show and we thought that'd be a great idea, so that's where we'll be. So if you're around the place, come along and say good day. Next week at Burley Heads, next Sunday morning, Burley Heads, the 16th, and on the thirtieth at Mount Gravatt in Brisbane, we're going. To, we're going to other places. We're going to Darwin. We're going to Perth. We're going to Melbourne. We're going to Adelaide, <laughs> and places in between. So yeah, stay tuned for this. Pete says, "I've listened over the years. I often have an early Sunday morning start for work. I'm an airline pilot, and I've seen most of this spectacular country of ours. Seeing it from the air ticks the box." I suppose, but it's only when you get down there that you find out what a place is all about. My family and I have been touring the Eurobadala region in our small camper van, says Pete. <coughs> we pulled into Chiris Heads this morning with a goal, this is uh, yesterday, with a goal of stopping at every headland between Maruya and Naruma. The kids and I were having a great time hopping between rocks on the beach and I realised my car keys were in a precarious pocket, so we paused to secure them. In the process, the keys slipped out of my grasp and fell. Every jingle sound of the keys, a painful stab to the heart of our plans as they bounced downwards, one boulder deeper still to another. We searched hopelessly and then trudged sadly back to our stranded van. There's not much phone reception in Chira, so we needed help to make many phone calls ahead of us. It wasn't long before Rod and Angie from the cafe, Lua Cafe, sprang into action offering any assistance they could. Michael from the Chiris Tavern lent us a car. Later in the day, he'd arranged a telescopic camera to use in the key location. 
The guy at the Shell Servo, I didn't get his name, also offered assistance and a shoulder to cry on. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget the real estate agency who helped. <laughs> Alas, no keys. No keys yet. But couldn't be stuck in a better place uh, than Chiris Heads. It's nice to see a small town hospitality still in full swing. We are so grateful. Pete will be glad to get back in the air, Cal. That's terrible. I've done that. I mean, I think we've all done. We all, we've all lost our keys. Just excuse me, have a little drink of water. We've all lost our keys. Remember, I lost mine. I had to had to had to hotwire the car. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. And I was miles, miles from home. Uh, just excuse me. Trevor says, Trevor Shield. In company with a journo, Nicholas Rothwell and others, I've seen a herd of several hundred camels gathered north of Lake Eyre for mating and attracted by mating pheromones. I've seen exactly the same thing on Sandy Blight Road, uh, west of here, west of Alice Springs. I had to shoot a bull camel which got very aggro in protecting his females. I've been knocked over by a billy goat when in season nanny appeared, charged by a large domestic boar and clawed by a large feral cat. For the same reasons. A friend made lots of dollars using the same methods on foxes when skin prices were high, and I've been almost trampled by wild donkeys north of here with sex on their minds. CRISPR technology has been looked for at looked at for breeding ferals, possums, out of existence in New Zealand. They're a great a great problem in New Zealand. They don't like them in New Zealand, but could be dangerous to some native species here. I don't understand why reproductive science is not being looked at and exploited in the control of feral animals. I often think of this in relation to buffaloes in the wet top end and the damage they do, says Trevor from uh, Trevor Shield from Alice Springs. See, uh, buffaloes, see, I thought buffaloes were shot out, weren't they, because of the fear of TB and brucellosis and things like that. But there's obviously still lots of buffalo around the place um, and they're big and they do lots of damage when they wallow and all those sort of things. Uh, 1300-700-222, what are you up to? Why I live where I live this morning, uh, all over news, all sorts of bits and pieces, letters, tweets and faxes. <laughs> G'day, this is Macca. Hey, Macca, it's Dean. How are you? Oh, G'day, Dean. Yeah, good. That's the way, mate. Thought I'd just call in in um, sunny Dubbo this morning. Weather's gone through, mate, and... Uh, Nice, balmy five and a half degrees today. But I thought it'd just ring in um, day off for me today. We're part of a little um, ambulance family sort of thing. And just come in and cruise around, drop the wife off. She works up at the Triple O Centre in, uh, in Dubbo and um, works with an incredible mob of people up there. Um, they're probably our biggest unsung heroes in my eyes sort of thing in those control centres. And um, just a special bunch of people. And a bit of a shout-out to all of our crews on the road today with Ambos too. They do a superb job day in day out and a wonderful mob of people and um just um urge the public and to keep them safe look after them be kind as they as they're kind to you and um yeah just doing the normal thing for the wife and like to bring her in every day she um you know how precious time can be and i always make sure that we take that last half hour each day to put the effort in and bring her in mate know she's safe and get her home again just like we um we hope for everybody else so thanks for having me on just a little bit of a say and, and um, hope everyone has a great day. Deanie, tell me this. How many triple uh, O hubs are there, do you know, around Australia? Oh, look, I'm not sure around Australia. Macker in New South Wales, I think we have um, we have the four centres and 
um, in those centres there, the work that they do and the volume of calls and that to make sure that, you know, obviously the public and that are, are getting the best service and the best care they can. It's, um, you know, we can say it's a job. I think um, what we do with EMBOs, mate, um, I think it, it definitely goes further than that. Um, it's a way of life for a lot of people and um, and the care factor, we're very privileged for what we do. I can um, just imagine what it's like, uh, you know, normal times it's, you know, probably reasonably steady, but as soon as there's a weather event or something or a disaster, I can just imagine the calls and how chaotic it must be in those centres. It is, but the professionalism with them, Macca, and how things are starting to evolve. And, and you know, I look at my wife, like, this morning, you know, up at 5 o'clock to head in. And, and you know, you, it's, it's a privilege, mate. It's, um, you know, still after as many years as she's been doing it, to watch her whack the uniform on, you know, the pride that goes into it. Um, you know, when she whacks that on, because when she's going in, she's going into the zone and they do the best they can. And I tell you what, they don't miss too many beats and it's a real credit to them all. And also as much um, credit to the crews on the road and all of our other leadership and support teams that go with it behind it. You know, we see the, the ambulances on the road, you know, we, um, we know what pretty much what they do, but um, behind the scenes, you see the other side of it. An incredible organisation, but an incredible mob of people. And um, I've got a few family. We've got our own little mafia in the ambulance sort of thing. And so we're an Ambo family. Um, funny, we, I heard your previous caller from talking about Lightning Ridge. I'm a Lightning Ridge boy, so been all around. And, um, you know, there's chances for everybody out there. And um, I've been going around for nearly 26 years and still as proud as punch to do it. And it's, it, honestly, mate, it's an absolute privilege to do what we do. Um, and in lots of ways, you're at the cutting edge, if I can use that cliche, but you girls and boys who are Ambos, um, you just see life in the raw, don't you? Either going into homes and dealing with people and you, you, you public relations as well as medical, you're, you're all things and you're driving on roads too, so you're, you're dealing with that and you can see all that. You, you're the people that... Anybody I suspect, like in the police or who want to know something, talk to Ambos because you you see it all. I think we do. We see it at the lowest of lows and lowest of highs. But, I mean, you're always at the forefront is that these people need you and you always make sure that, you know, you respect that these people are calling out for you for whatever it is in their time of need. And, um, and honestly, not it's a gift. You know, we've been given a gift to give in return sort of thing. And I think that the most people... Well, nearly all the people that I know with the ambulance, they go in with that way, that um, that frame of mind, Macker, and um, it, that's what makes us what we are, and, um, and you, you never take that for granted. Dean, you just said before the weather's been through here. Did you mean it's just cold or you've had some wind or you've had some rain or what? Well, Macker, I'm a second-time rounder for marriage, so I got married on the 29th of April, so um, we built a motorhome and we've been travelling through Australia on and on. We went right down around south, um, right down from Mount Gambier and, uh, dived in the sinkholes down there and did this and all around and fished and went down the Great Ocean Road down to the snow and it wasn't that we live out of Wellington just out of Dubbo and um, got home and it was um, I think the first morning was minus five when I went to work and we didn't get that anywhere down south so it was um, we sort of got my pants pulled down a bit there and got a bit of a rude shock where we where we really expected to get it on that holiday um, yeah, pretty pretty funny stuff. So it took us to get back to Wellow to um to, to hit Parisian Point sort of thing. So um, my ambulance vehicle got a few. Um, I take that home with me as um as on call inspector and um, put a fair bit of hot water on the window that morning to try and get the ice off it. That <laughs> was um bizarre, really. We were all rugged up, ready for this south trip, and we didn't get any cold till we got home. So <laughs> you can't pick it. 
Good on you, Dean. Great to talk to you, mate. Have a great day, mate. Call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will do. Good morning and welcome. Alan's in Rome. Morning, Alan. Hey, Macca, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. I um just listening to the weather thing. I had no idea they had much, much rain up north. Oh yeah, a lot of rain, a lot of rain. Yeah, well, see, I don't watch TV and I don't listen to you fellows and listen to a bit of radio. But yeah, half the time they don't tell you about what happens up there. So thank you for that. That's all right, Alan. Uh, what's happening in Rome, mate? Well, I'm trucking, mate. I left um, Durambani this morning at two o'clock. I'm up here, just had a shower, and I heard you say give us a ring. So weather fine, track good up here. Where are you heading to and from? Well, from hay, we got rained out down there. We're carting those cotton module things, those big round bale-looking things, those white things wrapped in plastic. So we got summons back to the boss's place up at Emerald. So, yeah, there's about 12 of us, and we sort of roam around. Well, that sounds like an interesting job, Alan. I'd like to be on the road. We're going on the road next week, but, uh, yeah, we're going up to Burley Heads, but it's nice to be on the road, I think. But you're on the well, road. I reckon it's a great, like, mate, I'm a nomad, so I'm a nomad at the best of times, but I'm getting paid at the moment to do what these grey-headed nomads do. Mm. So where do you take your, tr- your, your cotton um, um, bales to? Well, it depends on, see, most of these, where the, where the cotton's grown, there's, usually there's more than one gin, like, the, you know, where they process it. So it depends on what the, who the grower sells these cotton to. It's a bit like, you know, grain. So it depends on who the buyer is and who the, you know, whoever's processed it. But generally, it's the closest one, but that's not always the case. So sometimes you actually go past a cotton gin to go to another cotton gin because they're going to pay you more money. How many cotton gins in Australia? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue, mate, but I know there's there's more than I ever thought. Yeah, there you so go. I, 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 I haven't really been involved in this industry very long. I know nothing about cotton. I know how to cart it, but I've got no idea how to grow it or, you know, but they told me the other day, like the boss bloke I work for, I said, how do you, you know, I said, do you still spray this stuff? He said, not as often as we used to because of the genetics and somebody, some some scientists come up with the, you don't need to use the chemicals that we used to use. Mm. Alan, you said you're a gypsy, but have you got a home? Where's home? Well, the truck at the moment. <laughs> uh, mate, Macca, why would I pay rent, electricity bills, water bills, but I'm never there? Uh, that's a good uh, good point, Alan, good yeah, point. I haven't paid an electricity bill for seven years, mate, so I've got no idea. All these people whinge about the cost of electricity. I've got no idea what it costs because I don't pay electricity bills. And how's the road system going, Alan? Well, the road system is terrible, right? Um, I've actually done and must have busted an airline coming up here this morning because I sit here for five minutes, I lose all my air, so I've got to fix that when I get up here. So, you know, but you know, I've got a 600-horsepower air compressor at the moment. And you're in Roma this morning. Is it cool there? Well, it has been cool, Macca, but I've got no heater in this old banger, so I've had the, you know, the leather jacket on and the other jacket and whatever jacket I can find because it's been cold, yes. Nice. But it's t- now it's it's, it's not a not a, well. It's just the wind's just picked up here and here. Well, but we're not a big wind, just a little breeze. Good on you, Alan. It's nice to talk to you, mate. Thanks for your call. Hey, Macca. Yeah. If John Laws is a silver tongue in radio, you've got the silver medal. He's, oh. he's the gold one. You've got the silver one. All right. <laughs> All right. I'd rather be copper. Copper's worth a bit too, isn't it? Now. Well, mate, well, actually, probably copper's worth more than, more than um, silver. You're probably correct. 
But it's the gold, man. Hey, but Macca, wouldn't you like to have a pot of pocket full of gold somewhere at the moment? I'd say, I'll say, especially if you find it and it's tax-free, apparently, if you find it out yeah, there. Yeah, but I, I reckon I know where there's some of that, and it's from the little hometown I come from. Where's that? A little place called Tottenham. So my mother will be listening to this, my brother will be listening to this, and my old uncle down at Marywood will be listening to this too. Good on you, Al. Thanks, mate. Good to see you, buddy. Bye. Claudia's in Malvern. Good morning, Claudia. Good morning, Matter. How are you? I'm all right, mate. What's happening? Uh, I just want to talk about my running club. Um, it's uh, We're part of, we're Achilles Melbourne, um, but we're part of Achilles International, which is a, a huge, um, p- predominantly uh, started in America, but uh, has chapters all over the place. But um, we've got chapters in uh, Queensland, Canberra, Hunter and Sydney and Melbourne, of course, and they're all coming down to Melbourne next week for uh, Run Melbourne. So we're, we're pretty excited because it's... Um, yeah, it's going to be really fantastic. So Achilles International uh, works with people who have disability. Um, and here in, in Australia, we're, we're predominantly working uh, with people who are blind or have low vision and connecting them up with guide runners um, so that we can participate in like you know, running events and just exercise more broadly. So, yeah, it's a, a pretty amazing organisation. I'll say. Claudia, you, you run Melbourne. How many people will run Melbourne next week? Next weekend, is it? Next Sunday, Saturday? Yeah, next weekend. Um, look, I, I haven't got the, the tally. The last time I looked, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of hundred of us. Um, yeah, I think there's a hundred runners and then probably, you know, more uh, guides to, to support us. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be huge. So how do you do that? Are you attached to them or what do you do? Run beside them and hold them or what's the story? Yeah, so depending on um, someone's level of vision, we have a, a number of different um, tethers. So there's um, short handheld tethers. Um, I've got a little bit more vision. So, <clears throat> sorry, I run with a, a, a waist tether. Um, so I'm connected to someone um, via my waist, so I've got my hands free. Um, and then some of our runners um, can actually see enough to just follow people, so you know, don't need to be tethered at all, um, but just might need a little bit of verbal guidance about you know obstacles on the track, or even just identification, you know, to let other people know that they're they're there in, on the on the course. So we have um, generally in big events, we'll have someone called a bulldozer who goes out in front and just lets people know that we're on the course and says, you know, just letting you know that you've got a blind runner coming up because we're a bit like a, you know, a caravan. Um, you just can't move quite as agilely. You know, if someone steps mm. out in front of you, for example, or, um, you know, stops suddenly on the track, you know, you, you do just need to, you know, have a, a little bit more um, consideration, I suppose, of, of what's happening around you. Yeah, because you don't... Uh... You don't think about it, you know, because most people taking going going for a run or a jog or whatever, even a walk, as take it for granted, and yet it's and it's a very important part of fitness. I mean, you can do all sorts of things, I suppose, to stay fit, but there's nothing like a good walk or a run. But you don't think about people who, you know, who are sight impaired and all those sort of things, um, and have a problem. Um, that's a great idea. How long has the Achilles Club been in functioning, Claudia? Um, well, in Melbourne, it's been going at least six years, and I think it started first in Canberra, and it's been going for a little bit longer. But I'm not very good with all of the. And what about around around the world? Like around the world, it's yeah, st- quite quite a, quite a few years. I, I'm not quite sure, but I think they did just celebrate some big anniversary. But mm. um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not that great. But the other really exciting thing, Macca, is we've got about 15 of us going to um, America this year for the New York Marathon. Oh, really? And, like, how, yeah, how yeah, so good. that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And when, when's that on? In in uh, in autumn. November. There, is it? November. Yeah, November the fifth, I think. Gee, that could be that could be 
You never know. It could snow, couldn't it, in November? That's... It, it could snow. Um, and last year, that, it was really quite warm. So I don't quite know what to expect, which is, is making me think, what am I going to wear? So, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to wear? <laughs> You'll find something, Claudia. You'll find something. Give us a <laughs> I re- definitely will be wearing something. That's true. <laughs> so r- run Melbourne next weekend. Where, do, where, do, where are you going to run Melbourne? Where does that run? Um, so it's on the streets of Melbourne. So, um, yeah, you run sort of up through the city into Docklands and, and back down around through the city and come back to, um, uh-huh. yeah, it's one of those sort of sporting ovals out the back there. I'm pretty horrible with um, following the course maps because, you know, they're usually pretty <laughs> visual. So I just usually say, you know, that I expect my guide to know where we're going and I just run. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, good on you, Claudia. It's great, great news. You'll have a great time. Uh, you can ring us next week and, and ring us from New York if you get a – I know you'll probably oh, – I'm definitely going to try and get you ring from New York because at least the time difference should be, a, you know, not too, not too no, bad. should yeah, be able to ring sort of the Saturday night yeah, before Saturday. the race. But, um, yeah, yeah Sat- we start early. So I think next week we start early. So um, I don't – I think I'll – you know, I'm not sure I could run and, and chat. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, um, yeah, good on you, Claudia. Thanks for telling us all about that. That's, that's, yeah, no uh, worries. Thanks for your show, Macca. Great initiative. Good on you. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. Ken Tucker speaking. How are you? G'day, Ken. Good. I'm calling you from, the, um, from Allera. It's a small um, Darling Downs. Town. Yeah, Darling Downs. You know exactly where it is. So. Mm-hmm. We're up here with uh, yesterday's about 150 sat down for dinner last night. Um, we had the Queensland Historic Motorcycle Club group celebrating the Ellera um, or the Warwick chapters um, frostbite rally. And believe me, <laughs> she's frost this morning. Um, not not Siberia cold, but uh, it's uh, chilly around zero and plenty of frost on the ground. And the Hardy group right now is just getting their breakfast before we head out about eight thirty on a um, on a short ride. Uh, yesterday we had a a long ride, a good group of riders, and um, I think uh, some guys have come from all around. Some from down in New South Wales, some from as far as Townsville. And um, all the local boys, we come up from the Gold Coast, a group of us too, and just all part of the historic motorcycle group of Queensland, uh, great fraternity. And and, um, and you're all driving and riding historic motorcycles like Indians yeah. and Triumphs and... Oh, more, Indians, more, Triumphs, more. I'm riding my 66 Norton 650 SS, but... There's a plethora of motorcycles, um, Indian, the whole gambit here, um, just about anything, and some couple of rare ones too um, on occasions. And there's a few Japanese and other like, um, uh, but older, 30 years plus is the, is the criteria generally. You said, uh, Ken, that it's cold, but it's not Siberia cold, and that's because you've worked in Siberia, haven't you, in Russia? Yeah, spent seven years up there, Macca, in um, working out of Harborosk and um, still keep in touch with my friends up there. Not good for them right now. No, not good for anyone. I just, when I listen to the news and hear, you know, hear a story about the Ukraine or what's happening, I can't believe it. We're supposed to be... We're supposed to be enlightened in, you know, 2023, aren't we? We're enlightened about everything. We're enlightened about the environment. We're enlightened about 
diversity and inclusion, and here we are killing one another in a horrible war that just goes on day after day after day after day. So, you well, know. the sad thing is that there's so many uh, Ukrainian descent people, people of Ukrainian descent who live in Russia. They they were migrated as or moved as part of the Gulag era thing, and their descendants are, are very obvious. You can see in their names. Um, those that have obviously come from the Ukraine, um, it's almost like New Zealand fighting a war with Australia and vi- or vice versa. That's the kind of context I explain to people. Um, it's just crazy. Just nobody, none of the people want. They they lost 20 million people in the Second World War. But um, anyway, we're we're um, we're celebrating Russia. We're celebrating the motorcycle events today. There's no Urals. I haven't seen an Ural motorcycle here today. That's one thing I haven't seen, um, the Russian one, but uh, plenty of other bikes around and some lovely old bikes too. And we're, we're all a different age. We're not, not too many young folk around, but um, we're, we're all pretty senior folks. Um, Can it's, we- it's good. No, sorry. When I when I travel around a bit and go on the road, I often, always, I don't know whether I notice it in particular, but I always find a group of mostly blokes, uh, but sometimes uh, women, uh, in well, on motorcycles, not necessarily historic ones, or um, but uh, all sorts of bikes, you know, new ones, the latest ones, um, and they travel around. They travel around, not and sometimes they're not a not a club motorcycle clubs aren't as popular people just get together now and ride their bikes sometimes in clubs but usually just a group of blokes or girls and they get together and they travel around you know queensland new south wales to go to south australia i've seen them up at wilpina pound i've seen them all over the place um so motorcycle people love riding motorbikes and i suppose it's getting out there with the wind in your hair if you've got any hair and (laughs) and um just a bit bit of bit of freedom i suppose ken Yes, and, and there are, you're exactly right, there's a lot of them. The boys just put a swag on the back of the bike and away they go, five, six dozen of them or whatever, and and they'll go to the back roads generally and um, just head bush and um, enjoy uh, the friendship, the camaraderie uh, that you get riding a motorcycle, clear air, uh, not too much traffic, and um, put down a swag at night and sleep under the stars is... Seems to be a pretty common thing these days for motorcycle riders, and there's a, there's a few lasses that get amongst it too. Um, mm. A couple, there's a lady who was riding an Indian here yesterday. I watched her kickstart it, and she did a really admirable job. Um, it was amazing. So uh, yeah, so there's uh, oh. there's a few girls, a few ladies on the bikes as well. I met a lady in Mackay 20 years ago, and she was uh, she came to one of our little broadcast in the in the street and she was on a 750 Honda and she was traveling she was traveling yeah. around Australia and she wasn't a youngster she was in her 60s and she was yeah. just traveling around on her 750 with a hot <laughs> and she had a dog with her, a little little some little oh yeah yep there you yeah. go yes no they they take the pets with them that's for sure there's a few pets wandering around i haven't seen a pet on a bike this time but um <laughs> there's a few pets around the around the we're at the Ellera Showgrounds. That's where we've pitched up, and uh, um, we just uh, thank the little community of Ellera. The pub got a good turnout of us guys uh, Friday night for dinner, and um, the gas station had about 50 or 60 motorcycles all rock in for about five litres or 10 litres of petrol to top up. And, uh, mm. you know, so 
And as I said, there was 160 sat down for dinner last night. Um, so it was a good, great turnout. Ken, you won't be going back to uh, Russia to work anytime soon? or um, Mac, I would love to. I would absolutely love to, but the chances are just zero, actually. So um, it, uh, it was uh, one of my career experiences probably right at the top of the list. People might find that hard to believe, but... When you get down and working with um, three, four hundred, five hundred uh, people in a, in a big organisation, and we were selling American equipment uh, and servicing it, and um, yes, they that it's a different thing when you're on the living and working level, and you go into the supermarket and you want to buy something, and you're looking at a box and you think, "What is this?" and you turn to somebody and say, "Excuse me, do you speak English? Can you tell me what this is?" And if they can, they their eyes uh, pop out of their head for a start, and then whoo, and they, they'll just just say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute," and they'll find somebody to come and help you. And um, but the, the people in the street are just they're regular, good-hearted people, and um, that that's uh, something that I I really experienced, and um, it, it's it's it is uh, it was a true experience to see and understand how hard they have done things in their life. And uh, it, will be, it will be even more so harder right now too. So um, it's, terrible for, for some. It's inexplicable what's going on there. It's inexplicable. Yep. Um, Ken, great to talk to you, mate. Um, All the best, yep. Hope we see you at Burley Heads. We, we live at Talabadra, so we'll climb over the hill and probably <laughs> try and come and see you next week. All right, that'll be great, mate. Look forward to it. Good on you. Bring, okay, bring all your, the best. Bring your Norton. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'll bring, I'll bring it over. Okay. I'll bring it over. This is the All Over News. This week, a review, if you like of some of the other stories outside the normal news bubble that keep us informed about the rest of Australia. G'day, Mac. That's Tom Robertson speaking, calling from Wabundra in southern New South Wales. Yeah, just been up all night uh, spreading fertiliser, actually, and just watching the sun come up. In preparation for this year's cropping program, Mac, I'm a fertiliser spreading contractor. So this time of year we spread a lot of lime and a lot of gypsum, and last night just been spreading gypsum that's going out in front of a canola crop that'll get planted in, yeah, in the next six or eight weeks. We've got a small farm not far from where I'm spreading at the moment at a place called Coal Can, and we had 1,183 mils of rain last year. Normally we'd get around about 550, so over double the rainfall. And, yeah, unfortunately, it uh, doesn't matter what crop you had last year, when you got that sort of rain, it really struggles to bring the best out in it. But anyways, we got a crop off. That was a positive, and, yeah, we go again this year. There's more rain around, I reckon. Yeah, it certainly feels that way, Macker. I mean, they're talking about it coming towards the end, but they have always said that as this system breaks up is when it is most severe. So an extremely hit and miss, like I was spreading out at a place called Oakland's the other night, and I got about two drops of uh, rain on my windscreen and about 50 k's down the road, they had over 100 mils. So it's a case of which cloud you're under at the time, depending on how much rain you're going to get. Yeah, it's interesting times at the moment in regards to rainfall, that's for sure. So you're busy? I've been working myself for five years. I've been spreader contracting for three years. We're setting ourselves up for, yeah, the biggest year that we've had since we've been spreading. Roughly at the moment, about 11,000 tonnes of lime and gypsum to spread in the next sort of six to eight weeks. And yeah, that'll exceed anything we've done in the last few years by... Well, quite a long way, and I think 
yeah, you can simply just put that down to the fact that we've had quite a good run of years in the last three years. And the better years you have, the more inputs you have to put in to keep getting those yields. Yeah, we've taken a lot out over the last couple of years. So everyone's going to be prepared to put a bit back into to keep trying to obtain those yields. When you spread these products like lime and gypsum, they're quite fine. They're like a powder. And if you get too much wind, you start giving it to the neighbour, which is not what you want. It's been very windy down here throughout January and uh, start of February. And generally during the nights, it drops off a bit. So yeah, a lot of the work at the moment has just been at night to try and give that wind wide berths. Macker, I'll just tell you one very quickly, if that's yeah. all right. Yeah. I, uh, as I said, one of the products I spread is gypsum and farmers, I think, sometimes get a bit of a bad rap for not being too environmentally friendly, but a lot of the gypsum I have been spreading this year and will continue to spread is actually made out of recycled plasterboard. So wow. uh, in the capital cities, you know, or mainly the capital cities, because that's where the bulk of ex-construction material comes from, obviously, they segregate all the plasterboard, it goes and gets broken down, refined back to almost a powder, to similar to sort of, you know, baking flour or something like that gets distributed out to farms and used as a product to supply sulfur to yeah canola plants basically thanks macca much appreciated good morning macca this is simon of the pink roadhouse noon the data how are you today oh is it still pink is it simon uh it's getting pinker by the day macca every day the paintbrush starts and it's like the sydney harbour bridge by the time you finish you'll start again at the other end so what are you doing there do you run it do you no, I'm just a worker up here, Macca. Been up here for about five or six months. Moved up from Victoria, threw in the lifestyle there and moved up here. And it's been one of the best things I've ever done, to be honest. Is yeah, the rail line still there or has it been pulled up? Nah, all been pulled up now. Uh, There's still some uh, water tanks and signage around through, the, you know, along the length of the, the garden. But mm. uh, it's there as such, but it's not there. There's there's a sightings and that sort of thing all the way through. Just ringing up to report on a little cricket match we had here in town, Townies versus Stations. And we did that sort of for mental health awareness etc um everyone wore blue there is some reports going in about ball tampering from the stations oh dear um, that's the right. board to get back to me on that that's very disappointing <laughs> isn't it <laughs> So no, it, was a, it was a great day. We would have had probably 120 people there from stations and, and from town. And one of the good things is that the new ringers and the old ringers are now coming back into town for, for the season. Yeah, because there are a lot of young new kids that come in, a lot of lot of internationals as well. Socialise and, and meet each other. And it was, yeah, just a fantastic event. 42 degrees out on the field. We're getting to 42 every day. Bit of a breeze yesterday, kept the flies away. It was a fantastic day. It was really, really good. Morning, Macca. How are you today, mate? Out at Yolgu, we're um, water exploration drillers. We're hunting for a bit of water out here. I reckon she'll get to about 44 today. Standing at the rig, she'll probably be about 55. Wow. And how long have you been doing this sort of work, Damien? It's my 32nd year this year, Macca. I've actually got a bit of a funny story about that. So when I employ senior exploration drillers these days, I say to them, one of the first questions is, is uh, who plays on the ABC on a Sunday morning? And if they don't give me the correct answer, they don't get the job. They haven't been doing it long enough. Hey, Mac, how are you going? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, I live down here. I'm a stonemason by trade. Manage a farm down here also. And flat out with work. So I thought I'd just ring up and say hello. Flat out with farming or flat out with stonemasoning? Both. Stonework, yeah, booked out for a whole year. I don't advertise and it's all local stone and I don't travel. Probably, further they go, probably half an hour. So when you say local stone, is that sandstone or is that granite? It's, it's Cuff's main sandstone, Harcourt granite, and bluestone, I get that from Rankiton or Monagita over near, um, all in the sort of massive ranges, Benigo area, so it's not far. Sandstone seems to be a lot softer. Are they hard to cut? Well, I, I don't find them hard to work, actually. The granite, I probably do. The bluestone, I find... If I get on the right stone, you can split it like um, splitting wood. That's fair because you'll get a, I'll get a stone probably about oh, a ton, and I'll get me plugs and feathers, do it the old way, drill it, 
Yeah. And I'll split it, and if it speaks good, it'll speak right through for me. Wow. It'll speak straight. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. Do a lot of retaining walls, feature walls, chimneys. Not many whole houses because it's so expensive to do now. Lifting one of those hammers all the time, mate, you need strong, big, strong wrists, don't you? Well, you develop them, I suppose, if you're a stonemason. Well, you do. After 30 years, I can't straighten my arms out anymore. Really? I can't. Yeah, because the tendons and everything sort of tighten up. And I try to say to young fellas, don't use a heavy hammer, use a light hammer, because yeah. you'll paper when you get older. But they don't listen. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of people don't realise it's not a matter of just throwing the stone and you sort of got to balance it out when you do it too. It's nothing worse than having it too top heavy and light down below. You've really got to sit back and, and you do look at it and you balance it. And, and at the end of the day, yeah, it is really satisfying. Done some really interesting jobs over the years. Good on you, James. All right, thank you very much, Mac. Barney's in Batlow. When's the apples start, Barn? Probably another couple of weeks, Ian. It's uh, been a bit of a difficult season. It was a late start with the cool wet weather we had there and flowering was delayed. Long season. It's going to be a good season, though, I think. We've had plenty of rain. It's still green down here and much, much different to what it was three years ago. Three years ago, you had bushfires. Yeah, we had those dreadful bushfires in, um, in early January of 2020, which caused a huge amount of devastation, especially around this area. Lots of houses, buildings, fences, trees. In fact, there's still a lot of burnt trees still falling and, and people are still rebuilding fences and rebuilding houses still. Ian, we've got an overseas owned electricity transmission company which was previously owned by the New South Wales government and they're wanting to put these high voltage power lines all across people's farms near communities. It's all connected with Snowy Hydro too. And look, we're embracing renewable energy but these things are causing farmers a huge amount of distress and look, they just want the damn things underground. They present a huge bushfire risk, they stop a lot of aerial agriculture, they devalue property and they really are causing farmers a huge amount of distress and the the answer is underground but uh, they just don't want to listen apparently. Just before you go how many varieties of apples are there now about 700 or something ridiculous? Yeah no I've I've lost count Ian uh, (laughs) there's there's new varieties every year but look Ian we just don't want our communities to turn into industrial landscapes we want to maintain the beauty of our country around here and uh, undergrounding is the only way with these power lines. Good morning Macca this is Jane from Alfreton in Ballarat but I'm not in Ballarat I'm up in the mountains near Edai Cutting above Moyu. Oh, tell us all. I'm walking the dog up a mountain and I do it each morning. I do about an hour walk. This morning I've walked an hour up and I'll be walking an hour down. But the air is so crisp, the birds are out and I've just had a grey kangaroo thump his tail and peer at me through the bush. It's just a beautiful morning. And there's actually fig trees that grow along here and every time we've been here they've Never been ripe. (laughs) But the two lower trees um, haven't got any fruit. I believe that they had a really wet winter and lots of wind, so probably the flowers blew off those. But one that's higher up has got quite a bit of fruit, but not nearly as many as last time we were up here. While on my walk, I saw this massive slug, nearly the length of my foot, which is a size eight. I thought if that was in a regular garden, you'd be eaten out in half a night. (laughs) It was enormous. I found one on my strawberries the other day, and I think it's called a leopard slug. It was as long as my finger, probably a bit longer. A very pretty thing, you know. Well, when you look at them, they are pretty, absolutely. And this was certainly big enough to have a good view of him, that's for sure. Yeah, you just don't want to be friends with them. They're a bit slimy and stuff like that, but... um... (laughs) 
<laughs> I always say they should be able to bottle up the slime that they produce and be better than CIC. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Macca. This is Mick here. I'm just riding behind uh, a mob of bullocks bringing them in to be trucked away about uh, 10 o'clock down in the southwest of Victoria. So when you say a bunch of bullocks, how many you got there? Uh, 150, but not, not as many as they have in the north. But uh, they're, uh... <laughs> Look, Mick, a mob of bullocks is a mob of bullocks, mate. Doesn't matter how many's in it. They're, they're just wandering along. We get out early in the morning and bring them in. We've got about another half K to go before the yards. The trucks are coming at about 10 o'clock, and uh, we like to get them settled down for a couple of hours beforehand. They're pretty quiet, the cattle. Once you get them going, they're just like they're just like old men. Once you they settle down, <laughs> they uh, once they you know, get to about uh, two and a half or three year old, they uh, they sort of go along and they just like to uh, walk along. But it's lovely and cool this morning. Cattle moving very very well. Just be a lovely thing and a lovely place to be, Mick. It is. It it's lovely. Be. Yeah, we've been doing it for a long time, Macca. It doesn't uh, make any difference what age you are. You still like to uh, get out here and, uh, oh, and do yes. it. You know. Well, this is my sixty fifth year of farming, Macca. I'm still like it. Yeah, well, the biggest problem in my business has been fine skilled people and people with, with hand skills. They're not getting the right training in some of the colleges that's needed to teach hand skills. Every kid knows how to use his mobile phone, but if you give them a bit of sheet metal and you say, here, make a box out of that, they haven't got a clue. But if you teach them how to make the box and show them and let them make one, well, then they've accomplished something, even if it's only a, a sheet metal box. Some kids get proud of that. So we're, we're looking for boys and girls to have the feeling of accomplishment by building something with their hands. I've been 50 years on Bankstown Airport and really proud of the job we do, mainly with helicopters now. And do you fly them yourself? Uh, I don't fly helicopters, <laughs> but I, I do fly a Tiger Moth around. And you like that? Oh, yeah, I enjoy flying the Tiger Moth. One of the things I did for some publicity years ago was to fly my tiger moth under the Gladesville Bridge and the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And you sound like Dick Smith. That's the sort of, that's the sort of thing he gets up to. Yeah. I'm the only, only person ever to have flown under the Gladesville Bridge. That was for a good reason. It was a, an aircraft adventurer that died and it was the day of his funeral. And Who was he, that? That was Sid Marshall. And it didn't get enough recognition on his death. And, and so we was going to have a fly pass for his funeral and fly over the, the funeral procession. And uh, it was going to be a formation of aircraft and they couldn't organise that. So I thought, well, I'll do my own tribute to Sid Marshall. <laughs> it's very Dick Smith, mate. Very Dick Smith. Hi, Macca. It's Jenny from St Helens. I was just ringing today to tell you about, I work in a, a school op shop here and it's, it's a school op shop because it was originally the headmaster's house and they turned it, the school turned it into an op shop. There's 10 ladies that work there. There's no manager. We're a sort of a co-op. We have a meeting once a month and if somebody has an idea, we try it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we all get on really well and we make an awful lot of money for the school. They love us. But our newest thing is we're, we get so much donated that so much has to go to landfill. So what we've been doing and what we've started to do we bought some garden beds, tall garden beds, and we're making wicking beds. We're using all the old natural fabric clothes that we can't sell or we just get too many of. We put them in there first, a bit of cardboard, a bit of good dirt, and the vegetables and everything that grow in that is unbelievable. So we just want everybody to, instead of throwing their old T-shirts and their stuff out that really isn't good enough for op shops, Use it for growing your veggies because it is fantastic. It rots down, the worms love it. Give the food that we grow 
to the school for the school canteen. So it really is a, a roundabout thing, you know what I mean? And I was just thinking so many other people could do that too. Morning, Maka. How you going? Yeah, good. That's the shot, mate. Beautiful weather in the Tenderfield this morning, Maka. Just watching the sun come up now, out walking the dog, Rolly. Had a bit of rain during the week, had 35 mil. It's pretty good, Macca. The uh, autumn's starting to burst through. It's a lovely morning on the, on the New England this morning. A bit of a nip in the air, which is nice. A bit of mist around, a bit of fog. What sort of uh, dog's role are you, Harry? It's a short-haired Australian uh, sheepdog, Macca. He's listening very attentively. He's, 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 wondering, he's wondering who I'm talking to. <laughs> Great companion. He doesn't like going to the paddock too much, Macca. I don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> Oh, he's got an attitude, eh? <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a bit of an attitude. Yeah, he's, a, he's a lovely dog. You've got a farm, have you? Oh, just a little 14-acre lot out at uh, just on the eastern side of Tenfield, Macca. Might as well have a couple of hundred as that 14. You know, we're looking after him, mate, but up here in the New England, it's uh, just a wonderful place, Macca. Beautiful people, communities, Glen Innes and Stanthorpe and, you know, down Armadale, you know, it's all just, you know, deep water, and all just wonderful communities. Matt's in Udnadatta. Morning, Matt. G'day, Maka. What's happening, mate? What are you doing there? Hey, we're uh, we're camped out the back of the uh, Pink Roadhouse at Udnadatta on a on a walk that's left Lambert Centre of Australia, heading for uh, Canberra Parliament House in Canberra. Lambert Centre. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's part of the Heart to Heart Walk, which is. Uh, a uh, reference to a walk that's left the heart of the nation to the uh, sorry the the heart of the country to the heart of the nation, and um, it's being done by a bunch of current and uh, former emergency services and police officers that are walking for to raise awareness of the mental health issues faced by uh, people like us. So uh, yeah, have you been to Uden and Data before, um, Matt? I passed through it about twenty years ago on a. Uh, trip to the Simpson Desert with some mates, but um, yeah, it uh, hasn't changed much. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's the beauty of it, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, just listening to some of your bird calls on the uh, on the on hold there, we heard uh, exactly some of those birds in the uh, creek crossings we were walking through out in the middle of that Gibber Desert country north of uh, Nevada yesterday. It was gorgeous. And that's the nice thing about being out in desert country. You're in desert country, and uh, to sit somewhere on a sand hill or in a little bit of bush, and you just see little uh, little birds come round and do their calling yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Matt, Matt, are you a retired what uh, emergency service police officer? What? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've uh, I'm a former police officer and fire rescue firefighter, so I had time uh, uh, both camps there for a while. And uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I got medically retired on mental health grounds, and I've uh, got a pretty similar story to. Most of the people on the walk uh, as it is at the moment, um, and that's what this is all about, really, the challenges that are faced by people like us that do this sort of work. You know, we've got 300-odd thousand volunteer emergency services workers in Australia and about 80,000 salaried um, responders, and they all do a tough job. I mean, we don't have to think back too far about how, how wild it's been lately, and, um, you know, we're all... Uh, you know, we're all showing some of those battle scars, I think, and uh, me particularly, um, you know, just this walk's been a good opportunity for me to look at the 10 other people or the nine other people that we're with and, you know, a bit of self-reflection and looking at the challenges they face every day and every night, um, you know, listening to the poor buggers battling through another night of nightmares and, 
you know, as you said, it's a, it's a good time out in this desert country walking to, to really think long and hard and deep about how we can do better for people like us, and that's what this is all about. We expect a lot, don't we? And, and I'm not even sure that you as a police officer or as an AMBO know what you're getting yourselves into, really. When I think about those jobs and the things you've got to do, and a, even an AMBO who's, who goes to a, um, a house or, you know, expecting to be able to, and all sorts of things happen, I'm not sure if you expect what's uh, when you take it on, uh, Matt, either. And it, and it's no. and, and it, like being a soldier and sending soldiers overseas and we expect them to, I mean, it's just, uh, I find it unbelievable, really, that... Um, yeah, it's certainly not in the glossy brochures, Macker. No, and, it's you know, not, my is dad, it? it's No, not. my dad was a police officer and you probably would have thought I would have had a bit more insight into it, but I certainly had no idea when I started out. And, um, you know, the, the sad realities are now that, you know, police and emergency services have a 10 times higher uh, workers' compensation rate than the national standard uh, average for um, and a lot of those are mental health related. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there's over 60% of those people in that system find the workers' compensation process is detrimental to their recovery. And, you know, these are sort of things that people just don't know about. And, uh, you know, we've got to we've got to get this message out there. And in 2019, the Australian uh, Senate handed down, handed down an inquiry report that had 14 recommendations that are really powerful and would have made a massive difference to me and my family. And families are often forgotten in all of this and they're, you know, absolutely imperative to making this stuff work. But, uh, you know, there's not been virtually any movement on those 14 recommendations. And that's the crux of, um, you know, what, we, what we're what we about and, and why we're doing this. It, uh, it actually kicked off from a, an AFP detective sergeant, Vince Pinnell, uh, that was out here during COVID um, for some of the lockdowns. And obviously having that pondering time out here, he put this... Put this uh, thing together and uh here we are uh you know a few years later and uh nelly didn't get there Macca. The, the amount of rain they've had out here we uh we literally had to battle our way to our start point at lambert center um which was going to be utterly devastating to us if we couldn't make that on our start date but we got there and um pushed through the mud as far as we could um <laughs> with respect to the the locals roads we certainly didn't travel on any closed roads or anything but yeah. um you know slogging away on the in the muddy boots down the down these desert tracks was a a great thing to be part of. Uh, it's it's um, what do they say? Character building, uh, Matty. Character building, yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I, I actually characters is a funny funny reference because I've said there's a lot of characters on this walk, but this walk's going to make some characters. So, uh, yeah, well, that's it's good. A, it's a great cause to be part of. But and they call these people like you, Ambos, whatever, frontline people, and and that really comes from soldiers. And I I feel. As I said, I think people should be counselled before you become a police officer or an AMBO or they should be given special help. And, and you know, you think, oh, I'm going to be a soldier. You know, oh, no, I'm going to be sent to Afghanistan. I'm going to be sent to here. And I'll go. don't have any idea what that's going to be like being on the front line. It's whether you turn up at a place where somebody's shooting a gun at, you know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. They're, we call yeah. them frontline people, but... You know, I just think about it all the time. I could never do it. I mean, you know, my grandpa was a policeman, but, you know, in a different time. It seems a much more violent world we live in now. Um, yeah, different days these days. And the, the challenges that are faced by people in these jobs, you know, either paid or volunteer, are just immense. And the, the, the mental toll it takes on them and their families is uh, something that's not often, uh, you know, considered or 
given the weight that it should be given and it's something that uh, needs to change. And hopefully when we get to Canberra on the uh, 28th of September, the day before National Police Remembrance Day, it's uh, going to be noticed, hopefully. Well, Matty, you go and put your gumboots on. and <laughs> <laughs> no, It's dried out now. We've got beautiful sun and, uh, you know, last few days have given us hope. <laughs> but there's a lot of water out here in this desert country. It's beautiful at the moment, uh, albeit it's a bit restrictive. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're all uh, having our own journeys in different ways out here, but loving the, uh, loving the environment. And uh, this part of Australia is just gorgeous. So, uh, yeah. Good to talk to you, Matt. Thanks, Maka. G'day, Maka. It's Wayne here. G'day, Wayne. Hi. I'm uh, at present 50 kilometres north of Menzies in Western Australia, and I'm riding my bicycle from Uluru to Perth. I've just completed 1,100 kilometres down the Great Central Road, which is all dirt. On a bicycle? On a bicycle. Is that, so t- I'm is that tough going? Um, yeah, it is It is tough going, and it, it's quite funny when you pull up in a town and people pull up with their big rigs and their off-road vans and go, wasn't that road awful? <laughs> you go, wow, perhaps try, try it without suspension. It's all relative, isn't it, Wayne? Yeah. It, it is, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, and I think I tie in nicely with some of your other callers. I'm a retired emergency service worker as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, just listening to Maddie and uh, my son's a firefighter in Brisbane and um, just, you know, what, what the, the boys and girls on the front line go through. Wayne, why, why are you doing this ride from Uluru to Perth? Is, is that where you live? Do you live in Uluru or what? How no, you... no, no. I live on the Gold Coast, Macca, and, um, and this completes an east-west crossing of Australia by bicycle, by uh, the, probably the most the toughest route because, mm. um, you know, you can't die and say I've only ridden halfway because I'd already ridden. Uh, <laughs> no, you can't I'd die already... and say, yeah, you can't die and say <laughs> anything, I don't think, Wayne, yeah, but I know I get what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> and and also I'm doing it to uh, to raise funds and awareness for a charity called Cycling Without Age. Mm. And Cycling Without Age is a, a beautiful charity which we have um, trishaws, so like rickshaws and, and adaptive bikes which carry wheelchairs and we take elderly people, people with mobility issues for free rides on them. Uh-huh. And so... This is the second half of your trip, is that right? Well, this this is the the third leg. I've done Gold Coast to Mount Isa, then I've done Mount Isa to Uluru across the Plenty Highway, and this is leg number three. So this is Uluru to Perth. Have you got one of those bikes with really thick tyres, or they you couldn't do it with skinny tyres, could you? Well, well, my first couple of trips were with skinny tyres, and these tyres are a bit thicker. They're about 50 mil, but, um, yeah, there were still some days where the, the sand was pretty hard going. So I've got some great photos of my bicycle tracks with uh, with footmarks right beside the footprints while I push my bike through kilometres of sand. Mm, and so so you, you've sort of retired from your frontline work? Yes, Yes, I've I've retired from that and uh, and then taken up um, charity work, which is probably uh, busier and more challenging than uh, than my frontline work. And this morning you're just uh, fifty k's north of Menzies uh, on your own out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it, it's it's quite funny. I'm I'm cycling alone, and I had said that I'd been doing this unsupported, but. Um, 
you know, the number of people, and especially on dirt roads, that stop, that check on you, that, that you know, give you things. You know, water. I, I could have died of sugar diabetes. I've had that much chocolate and cake. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and and if I could give a, a shout out to the the hardworking truckies out here, they have been absolutely amazing. A, a guy from am I allowed to say the name of the company? You are. Okay, guy from uh, DL3 Logistics that run out of Kalgoorlie, and they run fuel out to the um, the mining centres. He pulled up and he said, mate, would you like some water? And I said, no, mate, I've just been topped up. And he says, what about some food? And I said, oh, listen, I've got plenty. And he says, look, I'm trying to give you something. Would you like to make a phone call? And his truck is hooked up to to Wi-Fi and through some scientific magic from the middle of absolutely nowhere where I've had no reception for a couple of weeks, I could ring my wife. The truckies, mate, are connected and they're down-to-earth people and they know what it's like to be in trouble and they know to give a helping hand and that's... Uh, they're, oh, they're, they're brilliant. They yeah. have been absolutely fantastic. Wayne, so, um, you, good luck. Keep in touch with us, okay? And uh, I'll meet you sometime, I hope. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Maka. Great to talk to you. Keep up the good work. Good on you, mate. Bye. Bye. G'day, Maka. This is Carol from Rochester. I know Rochester, don't I? <laughs> you do, yes. Unfortunately, we couldn't get to see you when you were there. Uh-huh. But what? we're on our way to Lake Epilogue to participate in a, it's more of a symbolic bucket brigade demonstration to try and empty the water level of Epilogue so we can eliminate any fear of another flood in Rochester. Or a bucket. A bucket brigade. How many people is going to? Uh... Well, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> um, I know probably you know twenty or thirty odd had registered. I'm hoping other people are just going to turn up. Well, who's the who's that? So, who's that in the background, Carol? He's that's Lindsay Macca. Get on there, mate. Day, we're making the charge to like Epilock because we're, we're tired of all this crap and no action, so we've got to get something happening. We need to run it down to 90%. It's now 98% and rising, and they're talking about it's going to be a dry patch. Well, it's raining at the moment, mate, so I don't know what weather forecast they're getting it from, uh, probably overseas, but uh, anyway... We're going down to do our thing and we need to get some people with some clout and uh, political and all the rest of it, ma- managers of Gold and Murray Water. They can't let it out because they've got to be told by the owners to release the water, would you believe? Mm. doesn't matter about the people in Rochie. We'll just flood them four or five times and uh, yippee I But that's not what's got to happen. We just need a bit of... Rational thinking on behalf of those people, political people, and get something done. It's time for action, not a lot of dribble. Lindsay, as a weather bureau bloke said many years ago, a full dam holds no water. And that's exactly that, that's what you're uh, that's what you're worried about, isn't it? Yes, yeah. The, the psychological job. Yes, the, the fear of another... Th- Flood is 
just incredible. Um, you know, it's there's going to be so many emotional problems, psychiatric problems, if we have another flood. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, I, I think people realise what uh, a flood in Rochester and where were we killed the other day, Yagara. I mean, it just comes in overnight and bang. I mean, and and it takes you years to get over that if you get over it yes, at, at that's all. Right. And there's still yeah. still people living yeah. out of town, I'm sure, in Rochi as well as in Yagara. Oh, there are. And it's going to be years. And especially for the businesses, they will not be able to cope with another flood. No. Well, who can? I mean... And if you don't have to have it, a full dam holds no water, meaning a full dam is no good to anyone because... Um, yeah. So it, it's a symbolic gesture. We're going to carry water from the Lake Epilock and tip it down to where the second the secondary spillway was washed away in the flood. I'll just, just well, say something. Well, Mac, uh, yep. there was a lady on Countrywide the other day. She's the CEO of Golden Murray Water. Mm. She's an Irish lady. That's fine. Anyway, the chit-chat that you've done was one of the highlights that got in my head was she said that we can't release the water until the owners of the water authorise it. Now, in other words, there's a bit of greed happening there. We need to have it. Last October, it was 136% full. Lake Epilock is a 1.8 metre pipe that they release water through. It's the only reservoir that has no mechanical gates. So with a small release mechanism, it's got to be open pretty much now because to get it down from 98% to 90, it's going to take 20 days. And if we get rain of any significant quantity, we're going to be looking at another flood. Exactly. Reference a, a lady, a beautiful lady, works in one of the doctor surgeries, and I go to this particular doctor, and um, she's put her savings, her own retirement money, into redoing a house. And now she hasn't got any money, she can't get any insurance, and she just looks in your eyes, and her eyes are weeping little tears, and she says, I can't take another flood. I just can't take it. No. Mentally, the people of Rochester have had a bashing, and we can't take any more. We and need to have some compassion from the people that are owning this water, run it back to 90%. Lindsay, it's And like, let's do something with a bit of L-O-V-E for your fellow Aussie. And, and we're all Aussies. When it's all said and done, this is a beautiful country, but we just need a little bit of the L-O-V-E, common sense, and let's get on with life. Uh, and and Lindsay, it's the same for people in Yagara and in Lismore and in every other. Look, we've been flooded yeah. everywhere around Australia. And look, we feel for you and Rochi and good on you. The, I'm sure if the TV stations aren't there, someone will do something. They've got to do something. Good on you, Carol. Good on you, Linz. Thanks, Maka. Bye. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.